welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. My name's Jo. And I'm Jerry, and welcome back to Series 4 of Helpful Social Work. Last podcast, we talked about social work in childhood. And that was our A podcast on the uh, life course. And in our B podcast, which is the second podcast each month, we're looking at big issues, uh, not because we think we have the answers, but because we think they're important to consider from a social work point of view. So last month, the big issue we looked at was poverty. And this month, it's climate justice. Yes, and I actually have... um something to say about thank yous for once, Jerry, because I know that we normally say thank yous. So thank you to everyone for liking us on Facebook and for sharing us on Twitter. And it's really great to see new people, um, people new to Twitter, finding us and sharing us, especially students. Um, and I had uh, an encounter with one of the people who listened to our podcast, and it was very nice, uh, Shelley from Durham, and she works with the Social Work Academy, and she says that she gets her students to listen to our podcast. Um, she says she can imagine us sitting side by side having a cup of tea. Uh, well, so Shelley, we're not sitting side by side, but we definitely both have a cup of tea. And um, I have a cat yes. on my lap and as well. Jerry has a cat on her lap as well. So this podcast, uh, we're thinking of you, Shelley. Yeah, and we also had a really, um, we get lovely comments, but we had a particularly nice comment from Cressy Boone who put on Twitter um, when we put up one of our podcasts, one on poverty, social workers, social justice, which was really nice. Because that's kind yes. of what we're trying to talk about, not just social work and social workers, but social justice as well. So, yes, please tell us what you think. Um, you can do that on Twitter. You can visit our website, www.helpfulsocialwork.com and leave a comment. You can comment on iTunes or you can comment on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. Ah, Jerry, we're going to talk about climate justice. Yes. Yes. And start with a definition, if that's OK. So um, climate justice, I had a look into this and it's. It's a term that kind of chimes with us, I suppose, because of social justice. Um, and it's a term that frames climate change, um, or the change to our environment from global warming, primarily as an ethical and political issue rather than just a scientific or social issue. Mm. Um, and it came from, my understanding is that it's, it came from 2000 Climate Justice Summit, which took place in The Hague. And that summit affirmed that climate change is a rights issue and aimed to kind of build alliances to um, to manage climate change, to manage the effects of climate change and to support sustainable sustainable development. And then there's been kind of ongoing international work, um, environmental groups who meet. Um, and at the Earth Summit, as and two, the Bali principles of climate justice were adopted. Mm. So... We're going to talk about what the principles are and what climate justice means and what it involves for social workers, but that's where it's come from, that sort of ethical view of climate change. And I love the idea of climate justice, actually. That, for me, just um, really resonates. And for me, why it matters is that, you know, the poorest and most vulnerable people in society are bearing the biggest burden of climate change but they're the people who are least likely to have contributed to the human causes of climate change, and they're less likely to be able to adapt to its impact. Um, this was taken from a quote from the Mary Robinson Foundation, and to me that just really 
puts puts it square and center as all of our responsibility for me it's about redistribution and responsibility you know as social workers our developmental root roots are in the redistribution of resources in society and in the promotion of access to services and education that enables the betterment of people's situation and positions within the societies they inhabit you know we're concerned with societal cohesion and healthy functioning and so as a worldwide profession we really need to be mindful of all the corners of the earth not just our little green patch yeah and you mentioned the mary robinson foundation um and I actually was lucky enough last year in Dublin at the World Global Social Work Conference. Um, she gave a keynote speech um, and talked about climate justice and the principles of climate justice as being around respect and protection for human rights, um, the right to development and that kind of equality and um, redistribution of benefits and burdens and being... Uh, participatory across the work that's done and also I think their Mary Robinson Foundation talks about um, equality in terms of different groups within society such as gender equality um, mm. and then talks about education and partnerships as a way of trying to resolve things. Yeah and for me it's you know like we, we want to all attend to those principles and we want to make sure that you know, it's this idea, isn't it, that individual countries and states can no longer act as they please without thinking about the global impact of their actions across the world. Um, and I think of places, for instance, where, you know, really big countries have dammed rivers that lead to another country's water supply um, being compromised, forcing that country into drought hardship or countries that mine and release harmful pollutants into the air that spread over many countries. Um, an impact on the health of the planet, you know, they ha have a duty to care for that planet. And um, I've been watching Chernobyl. I don't know if you've um, caught up with that, Jerry. It's a very good TV program about Chernobyl. <laughs> and um, one of the things that's really clear is that, you know, that terrible experience for the people who lived in that area was actually a really impactful experience for many, many people in many countries across the world um because we're the responsibility connected. yeah yeah we're all on the one little planet aren't we yeah so for me i mean we understand it on a small scale don't we if we do something on our property that disrupts our neighbor's property we're actually responsible for putting it right there's no question about that if i i'm building an extension at the moment if i wreck your water pipes you live next door then i have to fix them I can't say it's your bad luck. And it seems like we struggle to extend that responsibility out too far from what we can actually see or experience. It's almost like we feel that our responsibilities begin and end with what we can see, touch, feel, smell and experience. And I think for me, when you start to think about these big issues, like if we here consume too much electricity or are careless with the way we manage food production or food consumption that we can cause hardship in other parts of the world that we don't see, you can feel kind of overwhelmed, can't you, and powerless, and it's easy to sit within your small world. But I think our world is changing, and for me, one of the biggest impactors is when we look at the areas most affected by climate change, we can see that in the most marginal areas, 
far away, they're being affected first. And the impact we feel, it's through migration. Mm. You know, people are starting to move away from those areas that they can't possibly sustain their livelihood and their families. And they're trying to move into areas that have more resources, which is completely understandable, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of um, really interesting things there. Well, one of them is the idea that something that we've previously maybe been able to ignore to some extent, we now can't. You know, mm. it's not happening over there somewhere. Actually, we can see the connection and, and a really evident um, issue with that is uh, is migration, but also things like if we use plastic and it goes into... Um, oh, landfill yeah. and then it goes or it goes off to another country and ends up in the sea we see it then back over here so there's that connectivity yeah. which i think can make people feel a bit overwhelmed but it's really valuable for us to understand the consequences and impacts of our actions and it does also give an impetus to to fix things but that also links to the idea of social work ethics as not just about what happens in our backyard but what happens globally and the and the power and benefit of being in a global profession because our social work mm. ethics of human rights redistribution empowerment and non-discrimination and social justice they all fit completely with with um work that needs to happen with climate change don't they I think so. It's interesting. I was um, when I was preparing this talk and I was, you know, writing some notes and muttering to myself, I was with a friend of mine and she said to me, what does social work have to do with climate, with justice? And I didn't struggle at all to answer her. It was, you know, for me really clear and it's because actually, you know, we are um, tasked really with working with people who are experiencing marginalisation, you know, um, and and climate change change affects the world's most marginal and fragile landscapes, and they have an impact on those people. And as that all changes, the makeup of the world changes, and those people come closer to our backyards, I guess. Um, and as you say, you can start to see the impact, and that's no bad thing, really. Mm. So, in the interests of um, evidence-informed discussion. Just want to quickly take a moment to say something about what climate change actually is, um, and that based on the research and the evidence, it would be a, a you know sensible conclusion to that it does exist and that it is mm. is a, an issue, um, because obviously there are still some people who deny that climate change is happening or is problematic or is um, caused by humans. Um, and that's governments as well as people, actually, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. So we do have um, measured increases in carbon dioxide um, that are unprecedented. We do have um, unprecedented changes in surface temperature of the Earth, um, increasingly warm temperatures, um, and um, a rising sea level. Um, reduction of glaciers, reduction of ice sheets. Um, and so the, the scientific community has a consensus that this is extremely likely, so 95% confidence or greater, that human influence is the primary cause. And like you say, then, yeah, there's lots of also really good scientific evidence of the impacts, but one of the big things to note about the impacts is that they're not equal. Um, mm. Developing countries are likely to be amongst the worst affected, partly because of 
where they are and the marginalized um the marginal nature of food production and um uh kind of accommodation and things like that but also because of the where the impact of changing weather hits and affects um affects mm. the parts of the globe that that affects so so there is there is something definite going on that is definitely a unequal and unjust if you mean um it affects people who haven't aren't responsible for causing it mm. Mm. um so so that it, it is that it is something for social workers isn't it yeah definitely and i think the thing is like because certainly um coming being australian and coming from a country where there is a lot of skepticism around climate change um and in particular around the human um element of it uh one of the things that I've kind of um, taken to heart, uh, I was hearing somebody speak and I can't remember now her name, but um, she said, even if we can't unequivocally link human influence as the primary cause of the warming, we know that the warming is going to cause huge distress to world populations. So why wouldn't we as responsible nations do something about it if it's within our gift. And I thought that that was really powerful because it moves away from that did we, didn't we argument into that, well, actually, let's talk about the can we, should we argument. Can we do something to stop this happening so that, you know, countries don't disappear under the water so that people who are living in marginal places don't face starvation so that the storms that are hitting vulnerable areas of the coast again and again don't start to become unmanageable so that those places so people have to move out of those places can we actually as humans using our ingenuity um do something to make that different and if we can why wouldn't we and I, and I think that speaks to our responsibility as well. We're so clever, Jerry. There's so many things that we, we create and invent and do. Why would we allow this kind of suffering if it is within our gift to do things about it? Yeah, and it is uh, something where sense of agency is really important, isn't it? We've talked about this quite a lot in terms of what helps people to manage difficulty and overcome complexity and try and work through difficult contexts um, and a sense of being overwhelmed and not knowing where to start isn't isn't the helpful approach is it it's helpful to think okay what is it that we can start off by doing mm. and the social work community has has a good track record of that actually within this this area so uh, the there's a couple of things I want to mention. So the International Federation of Social Workers on their global agenda that was agreed in 2010, one of the goals was around promoting community and, and environmental sustainability. And some people might remember that that was the World Social Work Day theme from last year. And there's, there was good information that came out from all the um, areas of, of the globe um, in, in the report for that theme about things that are being done. And the whole point of that goal was to ground social work's um, role in social protection. So making sure that people have a level of standard of protection and welfare um, rather mm. than us all competing 
so that some of us get better and better yes. off and some of us get worse and worse off. Yeah. Um, and that fits with the other thing that I want to mention, which is green social work, which is a, a long-standing strand of social work, which I would really hope and I would expect we'll get more and more mainstream as we go along. And there's lots of elements to that. There's taking the wider environment into account. And if you think about what social work, how good we already are at looking at context, it's mm. just taking that a step further and thinking about the ecosystem, um, nature as part of the context. There's a strong strand in there around environmental justice. Um, there's a strand about the rights of indigenous people um, and green social work having a respect for the connection between people and place mm. and recognizing kind of long-standing and tr traditional wisdom around how we live well in place and then there's lots of work that's happening from that movement um, and more widely around how we respond well to people who are environmental refugees and how we respond to disasters, natural disasters that we you know, are quite common and are likely to get more common. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, if I, if I think about that, I, I kind of come back to here in England, you know, because um, social workers are in communities that are either affected directly or indirectly by climate change, and they'll need to adjust their response to take account of the effects. So think about England, the change to the flood levels of the landscape and the impact that this has had on housing security, including the ability to buy, sell, rent and insure these places. You know, flooded areas often mean people lose businesses, community resources, shops, schools, other public infrastructure. It could take a really long time to recover and rebuild. I speak as a, you know, cocker, little town of Cockermouth, which has been flooded pretty badly, you know, three times um, in the last decade. And on top of that, there's the emotional cost and the loss of the items that hold memories that can't be replaced. Um, and one of the fields that I'm really interested in is climate psychology, which is an area that's starting to receive attention as well. And it looks at the mental health of people who've been impacted on by climate change, for example, the victims of flood across the UK, and as well as the indirect impacts due to living through this era of uncertainty and threat, which everyone might be vulnerable to, and which I think particularly our young people are vulnerable to. I mean, we can see the action of the young people striking from school and agitating for climate change as something to celebrate, and I do celebrate it, but they're also, they're really worried. You know, they're, they're legitimately very distressed about what is happening to a world that they feel they're going to have to live in, that they don't have enough agency or power to influence how it's being treated. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of work there for social workers to um, think, think about around these areas. Yeah, so if you're thinking about what you can do as a social worker, which we are, um thinking about for ourselves as, as well as, as for mm. this podcast. Um, I think this, the starting point of thinking about how climate change um, and the climate emergency is affecting people we work with, what are their feelings and experiences, what practical impact is there on them? That's a really good place to start. And thinking about the importance of people's environment um, and the world around them as part of 
of who, their identity and their how they thrive because if people feel um in harmony to some extent with the environment around them that's one thing if they feel threatened by it at the other end mm. of the spectrum that's that can be psychologically and physically really problematic um i think we we do have a job as social workers as well to act as role models in terms of sustainable work and um responsible use of resources mm. that's that's quite tricky isn't it because i think social work is not a desperately environmentally friendly activity quite often there's quite <laughs> a lot of travel there's quite a lot of yeah paper there's quite a lot of energy um but I see things like I, I do a lot of training, as you know, so I do a lot of travel, mostly by train whenever possible. Um, but I see lots and lots of uh, practitioners, participants now, always carrying refillable water bottles with them, which I know is a small thing, but it's a really big thing, isn't it? Cutting down on those plastic bottles, more people bringing lunches with them in containers. Um, you know, sometimes that's a choice of, of finances, but often it's a choice that it's a, it's a greener choice actually to pack your lunch in a container and bring it and take it each day. So there's all sorts of opportunities for us to do different things. Um, lots of people I talk to now have meat-free days mm. where they're actually only eating meat, you know, twice a week or something like that if they feel they couldn't stop eating meat altogether. Um yeah. So I think there's there's lots of small ideas. Um, it's rare nowadays that you see people taking, you know, most people take shopping bags with them. Mm. I mean, we never saw that, Jerry, a decade ago. So people are much more mindful. A friend of mine um, said she wasn't going to buy any new clothes this year. Mm. And I thought that was a brilliant thing. You know, using more, going to more secondhand clothes places to buy clothes is also a really smart idea. Yes, I think that there's there's a lot of um, of things that we can do, and it's great to see those things changing. And I think, as a profession as well, um, and within our organisations, we can encourage more sustainable ways of working. So, Basel, the Association of Social Workers, has just um, have just done a sustainability strategy, which is actually about people and wider resources, and mm. how we work in ways that are sustainable because one of the things that goes hand in hand with exhausting natural resources is exhausting ourselves yeah. so rushing here there and everywhere so but it also goes hand in hand with the inclusion strategy because if things are resource intensive they can push people out who wouldn't be able to do that so if you know for example to be part of council you need to travel and have lots of mm. time and, and go go here there and everywhere and um, it's quite intensive then actually there are fewer people who are in a position to do that so next year we'll be reducing our face-to-face -face council meetings from six to four through the year and that's going to take a bit of adjustment and change in the way that we work and how we work between meetings but it's it's that kind of thing that that can be helpful and um in my tiny little business i have just gone uh carbon neutral in that i have taken the shortcut the luxury shortcut of, of um, carbon offsetting my travel and some of the other um, environmental impact of my work and there are places that you can there's a lot of debate about carbon offsetting um, and how effective it actually mm. is and it's nothing like as good as reducing your carbon use um, 
but there are some ways of doing it reasonably ethically i think and i'd rather do that than nothing um but yeah the the idea will be to get closer to um being much more carbon neutral myself and i think this goes back to that sense of agency again doesn't it it's like trying to do what you can absolutely and i think it's interesting for me because obviously my business is um a, a lot reliant a lot on travel we travel to local authorities all the time and there's that real challenge of how we do that effectively for our staff and how we do that effectively for the environment um, and constantly thinking about, you know, how much paper we provide. And there's, there is all sorts of challenges, but it's, it's right that we think about them and it's right that we do more than think about them. We actually have to, whenever we're given an opportunity to do something that feels like, according to the science and the advice we're given, the a better thing to do, I think we've got to grab a hold of it, actually, um, because one of the things is that for us living here in England as a, an already developed nation, we have um, a lot of advantages that developing countries don't have because we already did all our terrible, you know, polluting and dropping things in rivers and, you know, making our buildings black from all the coal and all those things that we did. And we've kind of come through the other side of that developed. Um, and so we now have to be frugal, not only on our own behalf, but on the behalf of developing nations who need, who, who need different ways of, um, you know, stabilizing their economies and developing their economies as well. I think that's right. I think um, being much more conscious of what we're using and trying to reduce it, manage it better and put resource and creativity into alternatives is really important. And I think social workers have a political activism role in calling for that mm. as well. Um, the other thing that we can do as social workers is we can get involved in or support work that... Um, helps people who are affected by climate change absolutely there are really great groups working with refugees and migrants um, mm. working with people who are experiencing disasters and there's work going on at the moment in the uk to develop guidance and um, resources for social workers working with with disasters um, and there's brilliant mm. work that's been done in other parts of the world through really for terrible cause but have you know made made a big difference so there's work that's been done in australia around um, responding to fires for example mm. or mm. the work that was done in christchurch in new zealand around the earthquake yep yeah because as social workers we we understand there's no victimless crime really don't we and so we know that how we live our life and the choices we make have repercussions on the society around us and so by being aware of our actions in that larger societal context um, I, I think that's one of the great interesting side effects of working in our profession that looks at the world like an interlinked system where, where, you know, we're not naive enough to think that if you pull up the drawbridge and you close your eyes that the one globe we're living on isn't going to be affected by our behaviour because, of course, it is. Um, and so, yeah, that's so our social workers are ideally placed to look this stuff in the face and, um, as you say, advocate for it and, and really think about it. 
And um, there are some wonderful things happening too, aren't there, Jerry? that we, we should be really talking about? Yeah, I was I concerned see. that you might be more despondent <laughs> than you actually are. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry worries that I always, I, I tend to be the Eeyore in our partnership. And um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there are see, some but, reasons to be cheerful, aren't there? We can see things yeah, changing, like you say, around um, the use of plastic, for example, big, big social changes. And um, there's change around electric cars, which is rapidly accelerating. Um, there's more action around renewable energy. Um, the UK at the end of May went for an entire fortnight without burning any coal for electricity. Fantastic. It did burn natural yeah. gas, um, but it also did use wind, for example. Um, yeah, well, but Cumbria is, um, you know, where where the um, energy leading the way and energy renewable energies and things like that. The energy coast up here is all about wind and tide and alternative forms of power. So. Yeah. Scotland and Wales have um, done great work in their governments to set legally binding targets around gas emissions. Um, mm. Scotland said that it will be carbon neutral by 2040. Wales have um, said they want to have a carbon neutral public sector by 2030 and have declared a climate so come emergency. On well, the UK <laughs> government has also just said that um, they would aim to be um, carbon neutral. So we have... Yeah, there is. That's a long way. Talk is a long way from achieving. But I think the thing to, that I really wanted to to kind of get across, and certainly for myself, that's really important, is that we can do something about this. I think when things are really big problems and really complex, it's very easy to kind of say, well, it can't be fixed. So, you know, we'll just have to carry on as we are. And I think it we're finding really, really quickly that with the will, things can be changed. Um, and certainly our sense of, of hope can change. Yeah, and it must be fixed too, Jerry. And and we have spoken here and concentrated here only on the impact on humans. But actually, we know that the impact on other animals on this planet is also profound. Um, yeah, all and, the species and the... Um, yep, the biodiversity mm -hmm. yeah, and is the different really being impacted so. on... Yeah. So, you know, we, we do need if we if we think this planet has things of value to offer us that cannot be replaced by something we build or make, then we have to take the time to care for it. So there's a couple of things that you suggested people could have a look at. Um... Yeah. To find out more about climate justice, we've talked about the Mary Robinson Foundation a fair bit, haven't we? And that's mm -hmm. www.mrfcj.org. Um, there's there's a lot of research, isn't there, and a lot of political writing about climate justice, which is quite valuable. And the other thing is University of Glasgow, Caledonia, shout out to them because they um, do a lot of work on climate change up there and their site's fantastic, really worth looking at. So a couple of reflective questions to finish with. So the first one is, how can I be a green social worker myself? And the second to think about is, what is my social work role in climate justice across this country and the world?